Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. In this Batman-centric episode, we see the return of Batman, hear not-so-good news about Batman's new film debut, and other stuff related to Batman by proxy of being a DC Comics property. And now, your hosts, David, and his Robin, Nick. So, like, for the record, you're super happy with the way that I read that intro you wrote, right? Oh, I I loved every second of it, up until the part where you said, I'm Robin. But you know what? I'm not a, a, a petty person. I will accept it. I'm your Robin, as long as I'm the Chris O'Donnell Robin. Is there, I mean, is there any other Robin? To be honest, like, the only other one is Burt Ward. I think in live action terms. Uh, but, um, but Joseph Gordon-Levitt was his Robin? No, his middle name was Robin. And that was his so birth, it was like, his birth doesn't name, make actually. him a Robin. It was his birth name, was Robin. Okay, so his name was Robin. People, people miss the symbolism. What the crap was his name? John it, what? Uh, John Waters? That's not right. No, uh, that, isn't that the upcoming director of the new Spider-Man movie? John Gordon Levitt. Robin Blake. Blake, John Blake. John Blake. Robin Blake, but still, Robin's real name isn't Robin. No. And, like, yeah, like, there's a whole idea of, like, this, yeah, he's Batman, air quote, sidekick, so we're going to throw a little Easter egg in there that he's the successor to Batman in the way that he was his Robin. But he's not actually Robin. Everybody's like, oh, no, he was Robin the whole time. But he wasn't Robin. Robin. He was a young. Uh, Ernest cop working alongside Batman, which Dick Grayson was at one point a cop. He was at one point a cop, but his name also was never John Blake. And that's why I think they did it that way because it wasn't a, because Robin wasn't going to exist in this universe. It was sort of like a wink and a nod. But ultimately, if there was going to be another Batman, like John Blake was going to become that Batman. I remember when. Um... When The Dark Knight came out and people were kind of asking Christopher Nolan about uh, Robin and Dick Grayson and stuff like that. And Christopher Nolan was very, like, anti-Robin, didn't want, like, a Robin in his films. And I remember him saying, you know, if Dick Grayson exists, then he's still out in a crib somewhere, like, at the time that The Dark Knight came out. Mm -hmm. I thought that was always rather interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh-huh. So, yeah, didn't know we were going to start there, but being this is a Batman-centric episode... It is, well, and, and next week will be quite Batman, but not as heavily, though, not as heavily, but there will still be Batman talk. I think and, next and week, because we'll have Superman the talk. DC Rebirth lineup, it'll, just, it'll be another, it'll be more of a DC-centric show. Well, well, yeah, but we'll actually discuss... The Batman v Superman, which tonight is the night. You know, I know you like to have the idea that this is all timeless, despite the fact that we talk about books that came out on certain weeks uh, and talk about news that's typically related to a certain timetable. But we, you and I are both not seeing Batman v Superman tonight because we wanted to do this show so bad. And yeah, that's totally why we're doing this. We don't normally do it on Wednesdays, am I right? Robin, Robin, it's okay. You have so, Name's John Blake. You have so much anger inside of you, I must uh, teach you to harness it 
No, I'm going to take the wheels off your Batmobile and eventually get hit with a crowbar. Yeah, dang it. I was going to go with the Jason Todd joke as well. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, if I was going to be any Robin, I'd probably be Jason Todd. Really? You think Jason Todd? Not so much the anger issues, though my fiancé... Fiancé? Fiancé? Your fiancé? My fancy, (laughs) though my, my fancy would say that that would probably be true. But mostly because... I always, I don't have any illusions, David. I know that if a zombie apocalypse happened right now, I'd be dead. You're the redheaded stepchild of I the might make family. it out the window, yeah. you know, but I'll probably have been dumb and crashed through the window instead of opening it because I was scared. And then, but I'll cut up and trip and then a zombie would eat me. So I'm just like, if I was going to be any Robin, I was going to be the dead Robin. Well, he's dead no more. Oh man, we're not really even talking about dead no more later. We got to put that in the news. Wow, we uh, we don't really know a lot besides that. No, but I wanna I wanna bitch about it because I have things to bitch about. It in wow, addition to what are you a comic fan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I just have some thoughts, like initial thoughts. We'll we'll talk about all of that later after we after we slog through all the the Batmania. There's also a great new book. Well, I can't say great because I haven't read it yet. But there's a book that I really want to read by this guy Glenn Weldon that just came out this week. Uh, uh-huh. Have you heard of the Glenn Weldon? Nope. I've only heard of him because he's on NPR, and I obviously uh, am a, a white guy at the age of NPR listeners. But he just uh, released this book today, and I can't remember the title of it as I tried to Google it. Batman and the Rise of Nerd Culture. Which, Why is he uh, single about Batman? Uh, he, I mean, the whole book is about how Batman has helped shape nerd culture and, and all that. It, I don't, I've heard him talk about it a lot on Pop Culture Happy Hour. It sounds really interesting. I really want to read it. Is he local to your NPR? Because I've been no. heard of this guy. No, he's uh well, have you ever listened to Pop Culture Happy Hour? No. I'm going to plug them right now. Pop Culture Happy Hour on Fridays. Uh, he's always on uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour and it's good time. And he's, uh, he reviews books and comic books for the NPR website. Cool. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty funny guy. He, he talks about has like the the closest thing to male bonding he does is go comic book shopping with another guy, huh. and that's like that's the extent of it for him. That's funny. Yeah, I dig it. Well, should we dive in? Should we do it? We should dive in. So let's um, something about a segue seg segu into. Uh, hey, this is pretty. This is pretty appropriate. This week, to the Batmobile. Let's go. Do we just let the, what? I don't know. I just felt like doing that. Doing what? Ugh. Wow, I'm really loving the attitude you're bringing to this game right now. Hey, hey, I'm not the one that called myself Robin. It's hey. weird that I said I was okay with it, but I'm clearly not. And now <laughs> lashing out passive aggressively. Though also quite bluntly, I just told you I didn't like it. Well, um, well so yeah. comics came out comics this week, came like out. they come out ninety nine point nine percent of the, every week in the year, and uh, a big one for those that give a shit was Batman number fifty. Ooh, so fun times! I was talking to some people about uh, comic books, and I do a comic podcast, and you know, of, of course, when you talk to normies, and they were like, I. <laughs> Muggles, <laughs> and they were like, uh, "Oh, I, you know, I don't really know anything about comic books." And I was like, "Well, actually, there's a new Batman issue coming out." And like, I didn't even know they were still making Batman comics. 
And my response was, if they're making a movie about them, they're still publishing comics about them. And many more that there's not, but I don't have time to talk to you about Teen Titans or Matter Eater Lad, but maybe another day. Not just kidding. No one's printing any comics about Matter Eater Lad. Uh, he's dead forever. Batman uh, number 50 point? came out this week. Oh, this okay. is the uh, conclusion of the super heavy storyline and the return of Bruce Bat and the unfortunate end of Bruce Beard. Oh. Yeah. I didn't that... notice I didn't notice in the preview that the sink he uses to shave uh has a bat symbol on in the bottom of it. That like the hairs fall into a perfect bat symbol? No, that's not the hairs. That's just at the bottom of the sink there's a bat symbol. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh wait, in, in the issue. Yeah, yeah. I'm jumping back to it. That's funny. So like being the end of the uh of the storyline obviously we're not going to go and it's it's a very big issue like there's a lot of pages uh to this which is super rad uh but we won't, won't go through everything specifically that happens uh batman saves the day and jim gordon helps him out and jim gordon as batman also saves the day so so the batmen team up against mr bloom and spoiler alert gotham is safe for another day uh nick you were not too hot on this issue um, I guess I mirror some people's uh, critique when they, they say that Snyder has trouble sticking the landing um, uh, on, on a lot of his big arcs. Being that I, I mean, I, I did go back and read Zero Year. I mean, I guess reading in one big chunk, I didn't really pay much attending to it. Like, just reading the last chapter is like the last chapter. Um, but I mean, I, I wasn't like blown away by it or anything. Uh, Endgame was actually pretty decent yeah i like that game ending but... uh death of the family i didn't really care for um uh, court of owls i'm trying to remember it's been so long uh, i mean always always batman number five will endear me to these people B- batman number five is a special thing among all others yeah it's just it's a good issue but so with this one this was again like i tend to i'm not gonna go on a tangent about like snyder speeches and all that. This thing had them in spades. The art by Capullo was, of course, uh, lovely. There's only one Snyder speech. Yeah, but it just went on. It was just like, like, I mean, on one hand, like, I do read comics that sometimes kind of like, I mean, all of them, I guess, suspend disbelief. But it's just like, I admit this could be just my preference. Obviously, they have their fans, and and I'm probably more often than not their fans. Or like in this case, I guess Snyder's fan, but like most people, especially in the middle of a firefight, like a war zone, aren't going on some uh, soliloquy, soliloquy, just like oh, something about the nature of Gotham and you're a gardener and uh, so, like pull the weeds and like Gotham, yeah. Gotham, 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 and I'm like, dude, shut up, <laughs> like take a breather, get your ass kicked, leave us alone. Jeez. Like, it's cool, like, when you do it in the, like, the caption boxes, like, it's a sort of internal narrative, or whether it be, like, someone actually thinking these things, or just sort of, like, the omniscient narrator, um, just kind of, like, adding waxing poetics, you know, to the beats of the story, but, I mean, but when you have Mr. Bloom's going, like, it's like, no, I don't want to hear it. 
Uh, the, I just like get your ass kid, go home. The the role of uh, of Nick tonight is being played by Squidward Tentacles. <laughs> but anyway, continue talk talk about issue fifty. I'll shut up. Um. So I mean, like the the situation, like it's and also looking back, it kind of seems like not that I'm like surprised or anything, but almost like, but I guess besides like death of the family, um, which was more like kind of intimate. Um, each arc that they've done, I want to say, kind of always ends with the city in, like, near-destruction mode. You know what I mean? Like, there's always, like, a bunch of ragamuffins running around with the the main bad guy. Um, the, the city's in peril. Like, it's always like, I haven't seen it this bad since zero year. You know? Like, every single time. And I'm just like, okay. Like, part of me, like, is has read enough comics to understand that, like, everything kind of gets put back in the box. But... I guess that's what ultimately disappoints me, and this is something kind of uh, that I mean. S- again, to make the Superior Spider-Man comparison, like I enjoyed Jim Bat so much, just like I enjoyed Doc Spider-Man so much, Doc Ock Spider-Man so much that like I didn't want to see it go. So that's part of it. that could be a, a personal bias there, but basically, like the city is ultimately going to be repaired. Um, but and obviously we don't know exactly where it's going to go. Like, I don't exactly know whoever ends up taking over Batman from Snyder and Capullo, how, how much they're going to pull from it. But it really kind of feels like Snyder and Capullo, like they've had their fun, they've broken the toys, but now they've mended them. And all, like, and by mended, I mean like they've wrapped them in bandages and put them back on the shelf. So it's like change did happen, but they're back on the shelf. Like my assumption, and this is, I guess it's just an assumption, is that like Gordon's going to go back to being the commissioner uh, Maggie's story is going to go back to being a homicide detective. That's assumption? Like, did you read the issue? At the end of the issue, like that's what they. I mean, that's what I'm like. Right. They offer the position to him. They say that Maggie is more comfortable being a uh, a homicide detective and blah, blah blah. So the assumption is that he's going to take the job back and go back to being the, the commissioner. Right. If yeah, if there and I agree, if there was like anything that would have been an interesting outcome, because of course we were going to get Bruce Wayne back as Batman. I had hoped that they would keep a police sponsored Batman program going on some level, mm-hmm. but I mean, they scrap it. I, I would have liked to see not Jim Gordon be, be commissioner right away. And that's, you know, that's happened before in the past where he's taken off commissioner for a while. But it's all, but, it's always sort of like, Oh, he was, you know, uh, wrongfully accused of this and, and was, was taken the, take the position was taken from like, this was such an extreme departure from Jim that it's like, like you go through an extreme event in your life and it's hard to imagine like your life is, you know, whether, I mean the, and the real world, like, like I can think of like something like nine 11, that's like a weird comparison to make or like the death of a, a loved one, but just like something on some kind of large scale. I, even if it's a large scale on like an intimate level or on like a global geopolitical type level, like, when that happens, it's hard to imagine like taking a step back and resuming the life that you left before that big change. It's hard for me to imagine Jim Gordon, who became a freaking superhero, not just a guy that kind of, that runs into firefights but still kind of stays to the side. Like, like but he, he was, was running headlong in the battle. Yeah, but he was reluctant from the very beginning. He was, and I didn't necessarily imagine him as being as continuing on as as some type of vigilante and uh, uh, ongoing capacity. But it's just. Sort of like I wish that they had, and and I, I obviously I'm not gonna like I'm not saying I'm smart enough to figure out what he could have done after the fact, but sort of like just going back to being the commissioner seems fairly um, uh, a waste of potential given everything that's happened. 
So like I said, there's a big disappointment for me on this level because it just feels like the toys are going back in the box. Um, um, it does make me curious about what's coming next about issue number 51 and then the rebirth, you know, whatever happens with Batman and rebirth. But uh, it didn't stick the landing for me. The art, of course, again, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, the, the last couple pages of Bloom's big stuff going off is – I wish there wasn't so many – thought boxes around it and and i think the other thing was like i guess at this point i really have read just about every single snyder capula issue because zero year was like the one big one that i had missed so um what am i trying to say oh oh daryl like it's revealed that like daryl had created the seeds but that like i think it was his brother or cousin or something it it was like no it was on it was unknown it was just somebody I thought he said that it was his, his cousin or brother. That's, that's who he gave the first seed to. See, there was a storyline in the middle of this that someone else – it was uh, the jock issue that was about um, Superman – or not Superman, uh, Batman. Was his brother the one that got the wings and died? Is that what he was saying? I think so. Like, Do you remember that issue that was drawn by jock? Yeah, and yeah. It was like the, the first sort of ago. show up of Mr. Bloom. That was Daryl. That, like, that, that was the storyline that he was referring to. I, I guess I'd have to go back and read it, um, but I'm just looking at it right here. This um, is this is weird. Usually, you remember stuff that I forget. Yeah, I I mean I I'll be honest. Like I, I didn't absorb the the jock issue as much as I probably could have. But and I think even with that said, um, not to, to kind of paint myself into a corner, but like I still didn't really give a shit when Daryl was revealed as sort of not he wasn't the mastermind he was kind of like a byproduct it was sort of like hey you designed this and he was like morphing at the same time too and i also don't i mean maybe we'll find out I mean, next mr. issue mr bloom was the byproduct of his it was research. a byproduct of his of his work but he also was like turning into a mr bloom type guy to attack duke but he wasn't part of mr bloom's plan no he just also had a seed and it just seemed all like like, okay, like, Mr. Bloom is sort of Jim Gordon's Joker in the sense that, like, we don't really know who this person is outside of being Mr. Bloom. But just, like, I, I just I just didn't care. That's just me personally. Okay. You, can, you know, if you felt differently, that's awesome. But I was just kind of, like, I got to that point, I was like, um, okay. See, I, I thought it was actually kind of an interesting little take because there was this whole idea of, oh, well, who is it under, like, under the mask? And then we find out that, it was somebody who had stolen everything, and that you know that's like, that's pretty interesting. And even if we found out, like even if they gave us a name, even if they were like, oh, it's it's uh Kevin Kevin Temerson, it would have been like, okay, it's Kevin Temerson. Like, who really gives a shit? I mean, kind of the whole idea with this was that Bloom kind of could have been anybody because there were even the multiple Blooms running around at the end there. Like we found out the genesis of of bloom you yeah know, mr bloom air quote is is daryl and daryl's research like it didn't you, you know us finding out who really was kind of like the main guy yeah unless what, what, he was like, a, what, what, a pre-existing villain that right took over. It, yeah if they were and, like and, oh, and it's, cool it's being Oswald like a, a non-entity in that regard but i guess at the end of the day like i didn't give a shit about daryl i didn't care that he like that he made the seeds or anything like that and i also don't understand like if he's ultimately innocent why he freaked his shit and started like attacking dude he wasn't ultimately innocent 
Well, he made the products, but it wasn't like he kept developing them. No, but I mean, he gave the one to his brother or cousin or whatever, and he went and committed crimes for it. And now people are using his technology. Like you would be held responsible for that. For like he like he was giving it out to random people. Like yeah, he's in trouble. He's not innocent. No, 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 no. You can't pretend. Innocent. Yeah, you just did. You just said he's innocent. Okay. um, Let's say. Uh, I don't know if this is going to work, but let's say you're a gun manufacturer and you create the guns and then that's, that's different though, because that, okay. If you were a gun manufacturer and then you took a bunch of guns and then walked around handing them out to people, yeah, you would definitely be held liable for that. Some people do that, but still, okay. Um, but I mean, but again, like, I don't know, Daryl, I guess up until this point, there really wasn't any hints that Daryl was somehow like. To me, at least, maybe maybe I'd have to go back and look. There weren't any like hints that Daryl had something mischievous going on that he was worried, extra worried about something. And then it was just sort of like he he like he just struck me as a character. He seemed like a, a genuinely decent dude. That like if the truth came out, like he'd be remorseful about it, not like angry and vengeful and try to justify himself. You know what I mean? Like he might try to hide it because he doesn't want to get caught, but not because he's a bad person. Because he obviously doesn't want to deal with consequences. But in the sense that, like, if he did get caught, he's not going to, like, turn into a shit bag like he kind of did. Okay. And again, like, I don't know. I don't know. I just felt like, obviously, it was always, like, I knew, like, within a couple of issues, like, he, like the city's been under siege for a couple of issues that, like, it's been going this way. And then the whole ending where, like, because Batman's, the real Batman swung through the city that he gave everyone hope that they all just kind of like, oh, let's all take our seeds off. So that it stops powering it. And then it's like, oh, doesn't freaking matter that you did that. Like, the thing's still going to go off. Like, it just, like, had, like, all these components to it that I just didn't feel like they connected harmoniously. See, and I disagree on that assertion. Uh, points. And, and most reviews do as well. Um, and, you know, probably the, the, the thing that I'm disappointed with in this issue is that we've been building up the the mechs versus, like, the mech batman versus the bloom fight or the blooms fight and then when we get to it it fizzles out pretty quick nothing really happens bloom games gains control of them uh and they're not even like really that huge of a threat it, it was a really interesting idea it just all felt a little bit rushed uh mm-hmm. and not uh you know like a, like a cool idea they're like all right this is really great and then they get to it and it's like ah but it's not really going to work the way that we want it to. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's fine. It didn't detract from the story. It just like, if there hadn't been as much buildup, it would have been okay. Uh, there was definitely like a Chekhov's gun moment with the Batmanium, uh, where they, they mentioned that in an early, like earlier issue and they built a bat symbol out of it. Like we've talked about how Snyder is very on the sleeve sometimes, uh, or very on the nose and is just like very direct and, uh, you know, the, the, it doesn't have as much subtlety, but I think there's also like a, a comic book greatness about that because comic books for years have not been super subtle and, and trying to be like clever. They're, you know, sometimes they're cheesy and they're bold and they're in your face with their stuff. And, it, you know, in, in, in this, in this issue, in the storyline, it, it worked for me. Um, 
I don't think the ending of this is as good as the ending of, say, Endgame. Uh, I thought Endgame had a really great ending. I thought that uh, Zero Year actually had a little bit of a cleaner ending than this as well. But stuff here still worked for me. Uh, it, you know, it was it was just kind of a a little bit of a big, beautiful mess going on, and there was like just so much going on that even with what was it, like forty pages, I don't know how many pages this issue was, it didn't at times feel like enough. Um, the the Daryl stuff actually really worked for me. I thought it was really interesting. I liked the, the conversation at the end where um, Bruce tells uh, Jim Gordon that Mr. Bloom was your monster. Uh, kind of like don't get the sense that he's going to be popping back up anytime soon or like at all. And, you know, I... I, I like I said, I'm disappointed that we're not getting more of of Jim Gordon as Batman. But as far as the story goes, I thought it was very well crafted overall. Uh, it 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 works on a lot of levels. That if this is the only, and I know there's others like in Detective Comics and stuff like that, but in the Batman proper title, uh, this is the only like Jim Bat story we're gonna get. Like I'm not disappointed with it at all. I had a really great time. Um, it was it was very interesting, very fun. There were a couple of very speech heavy issues, but you know, all in all, uh, it was it was exciting. It was dynamic. The action in this issue, even though a little bit muddled at times, I thought really was great. Uh, the art is is big and bold, and it's just you know, it, it was a good story. It's not changing my life. It's not changing my views on Batman. And uh, Capullo's redesign of the Batsuit actually grew on me throughout the issue. The first time they show it, I was like, oh, okay, the, the, like, there's a weird yellow outline and the, the yellow lines on the belt. But as, like, he, as it kept going, it just, I'm like, yeah, this is actually kind of really badass. Uh, it's the, the, I, think, I think there's a, way more good in this, in this story. I'm not, and I'm not by any means calling this a, a perfect story of Batman, um, but it, it's not one that I'm, you know, going to be disappointed with at the end of the day. And of course, Nick, you are completely entitled to your wrong opinions. I don't <laughs> want you to feel like you can't have them, but just know that when you sleep at night, you're a monster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm cool now. I'm cool now. No, no, no. I'm cool, bro. I'm cool. I'm yeah, cool. yeah, you, you cool. You're good. You're good. Uh, I'm cool. I'm cool. Yeah, I mean, overall... I think I enjoyed the story, the overall story, more than I did. I think, as you put it, like the speech-heavy issues are the ones that I think enjoyed the least. I think this ends up being one of them. So as far as like reach, making it to the end, I wasn't. I guess I wasn't satisfied in that regard. But it's definitely still a moment that, artistically speaking, like as far as like the the the, the, the art, the actual art, like phenomenal high marks of Capullo's career. Uh, Snyder, like I said, some really interesting ideas at play, but kind of like you said, even for a, an oversized issue, there were things that were kind of set up that maybe, maybe will be explored in the next issue, their last issue. I was reading, maybe, I was reading what, an interview uh, with them, and uh, I can't remember what they said about the next issue. It was a love letter to Batman fans. Yeah, it's just going to be kind of a little bit of a clear cut. And I like... Uh, that you know, Robin, son of Batman, got one of those, and I like that Batman is getting one. Where I kind of wish creative teams, were, if they came to be like, okay, 
I mean, you know, ones that are that are as long-standing as this. Like, all right, we have like one more storyline we want to do. I wish that publishers would be like, okay, do your storyline, then just do one issue to kind of share yeah, your but... like share your thoughts on the characters, kind of wipe the slate clean. Uh, you know, say anything that you have left to say about the character. Because mm-hmm. I think those are often very impactful emotional issues. I want to say that Ed Brubaker did that with his Captain America run too. It was just kind of like he had an arc. And it was sort of like the last issue just kind of like was personal to his his own run. Like obviously Captain America has continued on since then. But it was like one issue to kind of touch on plot points that he had established that were unique to him. Mm-hmm. And then but kind of like sent Captain America off into the sunset, um, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Patrick Gleason, you know, who was on it uh, on Robin or on Batman and Robin and then Robin son of Batman and Batman and Talia al Ghul and stuff uh, for, or from like the very beginning of new 52 and Scott Snyder and Capullo are, are they the only creative team that went the entirety of the new 52 numbering? I mean, besides the, the filling issues on Batman. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, I think Jeff Johns has been on every single issue of justice league with yeah. various artists, but it's probably true. But it's other just... than that, I mean, like it's a fairly rare occurrence. Yeah. Unless you're Dan slot writing Spider-Man. <laughs> just like he's gonna be doing that until he dies. I'm pretty sure Dan Slot is a robot at this point. It's like it's just a computer program, and then Peter moves to Mexico and becomes El Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Um, yeah, I really, really hope that the Superman books find footing in Rebirth. I really just hope that, like, if if one franchise that just like comes out of the gate strong like Batman like this like the Batman um whatever universe line mm-hmm. of books did i mean not all of them i guess out of the gate of new 52 but especially since Mark Doyle took over as the editor for the Batman books just like more consistently than any other line at DC Batman is reign supreme and i get it Batman is super cool but like i want superman to like creatively uh, uh, just like somehow just work because I feel like there's been good issues on and off since the beginning of New 52 with Superman, but as a direction, he just hasn't found his footing. And I'm fingers crossed, fingers crossed for that. Mm-hmm. We'll get into some of that too when we get into our rebirth uh, teaser discussion later in the show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any final thoughts? Um, uh, you know, Super Heavy was a really cool storyline. It was uh, it was very interesting. I remember when they first showed us that picture of of Bunny Batman suit, uh, and of us being like, "This is super weird, but also super awesome." Uh, and I, uh, yeah, I'm excited now to see what issue fifty one's going to be. And uh, it, the next Bat Team has a really, really hard, uh, hard legacy to live up to. But if it ends up being Tom King, I feel pretty confident. Do you think Tom King has it in him to write uh, two two issues a month? Yeah, I don't know. He seems like he really... Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Puts out a pretty good output. I mean, first he was just writing Grayson, but now he's... Well, he's off Grayson. He's work, I mean, it, I think because they left Grayson early. They're definitely working on probably... Or hit by him, they, I mean him... Uh, is working on one of the the double shipping books. Um, so I feel like 
he probably used that ahead of time, but he's also writing Sheriff of Baghdad for Vertigo, and he's got Vision of Marvel, which obviously will finish at number 12. By So I think besides, if, if he's only writing one DC book, if it's Batman, Double Shipping, then plus Sheriff of Baghdad, it's only three books a month. I'm sure he can handle that. Yeah, that's true. Three's, three's actually kind of light for writers, I feel like. And yeah, I mean, you're... some some people like Dan Slott, I mean, a lot of times he's setting out multiple Spider-Man issues, but then he's got Silver Surfer. Uh, but some yeah. writers, obviously, like Bendis, can just, like, pfft, write 20 things a month. Oh, Charles yeah, Soule. Yeah, yeah, and, like, Hickman. But then, I mean, there's some guys who are, like, Grant Morrison, who just comes in. is like, this is the one thing I'm going to do for a while. And they're like, all right, here's money. Yeah. Jeff Lemire, I think, tackles a lot of books at once, too. Yeah. He's, uh... Oh man, Moon Knight's coming soon. I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was this week, but I guess not. I guess you guessed wrong. I guess, I guess not. Well, Nick, what else did you read this week? Ah, uh, so from this week, I just read Batman, uh, but I was doing uh, catch up. Uh, I want to say from last week, uh, Vision number five and Low number twelve. Um, I won't go into too much details on that, other than to say. Again, to because I've got a um, Tom King's my new heartthrob. Uh, Vision is excellent. It's it's a book that like it, it's it's confident enough that it knows exactly what it wants to be. Sometimes you feel like writers like there's a feeling that like they're kind of desperately trying to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Tom King, despite being a fairly new writer to the field, like writes with confidence. It's not just like. Like, uh, how, how to describe So in Vision, um, he met, in the previous issue, Vention, Vision, when defending his son to the school principal because he attacked another kid, like, mentions, like, I saved the world 37 times. Like, basically saying, you know, I, I'm the freaking shit. Like, you, you don't get to talk down to me because I'm an android. Uh, and in this issue, uh, Vision is sort of, um, in ca uh, caption boxes, is kind of monologuing about, how like I saved the world thirty seven times, and it's like, well, the act, and then like, there's, I don't really know how to describe it, but it's just freaking good. Like, um, he in each issue, like what he sets up, he might be sets it up in a previous issue, or maybe he sets it up right at the beginning of the issue. By the time you get to the last page, it it all connects back. Like there's a harmony to the story and the artwork by uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta is perfect. Totally fits the book. It's moody. It's got atmosphere. The characters have very clear personalities and purposes. So maybe it, it wears some of its structural integrity on its sleeve. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a really compelling read from issue to issue. And you just feel the, the overall tension building. So fingers crossed that he sticks the landing by issue 12, but it just, it's, it's, it's been a really good book. And, and low, I won't go into too much detail, but uh, basically the whole thing was about how uh, they were, um, they sent probes out into space to find a new home and they've been at the bottom of the ocean ever since. This is part of the latest arc where uh, the main character finally makes it to the surface to find the probe that finally returned after like a millennia. Uh, and it gets weirder and weirder from there. If you like, like European-esque comics, I feel like there's a big European vibe. It doesn't, shy away so from nudity it's very sexy and violence like it's it's got a, a seductive quality to it but i mean and a lot of that lends to um 
Oh my god, I don't have the issue in front of me. I left it at work. And why am I blinking on the artist's name, even though I know what it is? Um, the, but basically, the, the the artist's like sort of surreal quality to his artwork. But uh, I guess if if Rick Remender was going to do a European style sci fi comic, Low is it. Hmm. Um, so still still going strong. Um, that's basically what I did with uh, my with Greg Tuccini. Is the artist on low? Good shit. Check it out. Very, very nice. Uh, I only read a couple things this week. I still have a couple more things I haven't read. Speaking of Lemire, I haven't read uh, All New Hawkeye yet. Though all I, New Hawkeye. I feel like that book's kind of been a little lukewarm uh, at times. And uh, New Invader Zim, I haven't read yet, but that book's still fun. Uh, the two that I did read are uh, Claws. Klaus, I don't know, number four, and Outcast number 17. Uh, Claws, number four, man, this book, uh, probably the first Morrison thing that I'm reading and not going absolutely bananas for. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's a little sad. I, you know, he's got three more issues and he could still pull some amazing stuff out, but it's so tame and it's not like a bad story. Mm-hmm. It just feels so very typical. Like, like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, it doesn't have the distinct Morrison-ness of it. It is, it feels like so many other people could have written this and it's, you know, if it had someone else's name on it, Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't like pick it up. I probably wouldn't be interested if you like the, there's not a lot of variation in like the setting. Uh, the story, which had some moments, is kind of like slow to pick up. Uh, and the, the artist is really good. Uh, I'm really I'm really impressed with his his work, but he's not given really a lot of room that I feel like he deserves to really do some really awesome stuff. Uh, in this issue, we kind of get a little more into Claus's background, uh, his history. And it's it's fine. It's nothing like super special. I feel like this is going to be a book that in the last couple issues is going to completely turn on its head and get super crazy and weird. Because uh, so? they haven't still they still haven't uh, addressed the weird alien ghosts from the first issue. Hmm. Uh, and in, in this one, you find out, you know, uh, Claus was like an orphan baby whose mother was found frozen outside of the city, clutching onto him. Uh, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure where we're going here. So I'm, I'm like reserving judgment to the last few issues, I guess, but it's going to have to be spectacular to really kind of shake me up and, and get me super excited and jazzed. Uh, they do have a preview for Joyride uh, in the back of this, a, a sneak preview of Boom Studios' original series, Joyride, uh, which has a very, like, you know, anime, sci-fi feel to it. Uh, and it's a, it's a, I haven't read through it yet, but the art's really cool. Uh, like, I'm going to show you... Nicholas, this page. Hold on, I have to pull it up so I can see if I'm showing it to you. Like, I really like that. Huh. Yeah, I like thing. that artwork. Yeah, it's really cool, very clean. Um, it's very, like, reminiscent, kind of, of, uh, of the guy who's on, who's doing Power Rangers right now. I want to say it's, uh, yeah, 
uh, Hendry Prosetia. It's the same artist? No, it's very like reminiscent though. Yeah. I, I just feel like it's very, they look kind of similar. Illustrated by Marcus Toe. Two Marcus Two. I, I don't know. Oh, Marcus Toe. Oh yeah, I like Marcus Toe. Wow, he's he's uh, juggling stuff because I think he's doing some new Avengers comics right now oh, too. Cool. Well, I really like the art style. I don't fully know what's going on yet, but I'm totally down. Uh, the other book I read this week is Outcast number seventeen. Uh, and for those who don't know what is going on in Outcast, that's perfectly normal. Uh, it is about this guy named Kyle Barnes, I believe is his name, uh, who has keeps encountering all these demons in his life, and he has some sort of weird power over them, with them. Very unclear. And, you know, they, they've been slowly kind of exploring it, and it doesn't feel like it's really at a place yet where they're going to explain it. Uh, but there's been this giant increase in demonic activity, and him and his priest friend... Uh, are are going around trying to help people who reach out to them and for some reason demons are like attracted to him if he touches them they don't like it uh he is called an outcast it's got some really interesting ideas but it's kind of been doing this thing that i don't i i don't know like where i sit on it and i kind of expressed this to you nick in a text message where I'm kind of tired of this whole thing of, yeah, evil demons are running rampant, but, you know, heaven and angels, they're not doing anything about it. Because uh, you kind of, you know, if you're going on one side, you, you would kind of assume that the other is supposed to exist in this universe. Not always. There's some like, yeah, there's hell and demons, but there's no heaven or angels. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just, I don't know. It, why isn't and they kind of like assert in this issue even more of like no these things we're doing like it doesn't really have much to do with heaven at all it's all because of like this this and this it's like so like what is like what's going on then why are there demons wandering around it, i'm just kind of tired of that storyline of like evil is totally cool to do whatever it wants while and I, I guess you get to the oh, that's what the world is like allegory of man blah 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 it's not interesting to me anymore but I mean, but I, I agree with you in the sense that, sure, Allegory of Man or whatever, but it's like, I, I think from a dramatic standpoint, I think demons are these other otherworldly powerful beings that are causing, creating havoc and causing troubles for our, our characters. But if, and I, I mean, not that they can't utilize heaven and, and God in some way, but especially like God, God for example, you think the all-powerful, like all-whatever, um, like he's kind of like the get out of jail free card. Like if, if yeah. their shit's going down, and then God steps in, like he could probably just wipe the whole slate clean, right. presumably. And, and supernatural so, had to find a way around that and stuff. And no, you know, and, and I totally get that from a writing perspective. But it could still be like, oh, there's agents of hell. Well, here's some agents of heaven who are counteracting against that. And you know, it all gets muddled. As far as, like, this issue goes, because there's been some really good ones lately, this one is kind of dragging its feet a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's like, hey, stuff's coming up. Stuff's gonna happen. But never quite gets We're there. Never quite getting there. And, you know, the priest, they're kind of, like, really asserting that the priest is struggling with his faith. So it's like, either you have to be like, well, the priest will never be rewarded and everything kind of sucks, or the priest has to 
you know, have a revelation and things work out for them. Mm-hmm. Not really sure which way they're going to go on that yet. And I think it's a book, I'm just assuming, given uh, Kirkman's M.O., that it's, you know, if it's going to be like Invincible and The Walking Dead, it's going to be at 100-plus issues. And I'm not saying that, that he won't find a way to fill 100-plus issues, but it's sort of like... Uh, how some, do I put this? Like, some, Walking Dead, we, we we're, Oh, I just dropped my paper shredder. <laughs> Walking Dead is like this book that I think at this point we just assume is going to go on forever. That doesn't mean it should go on forever. I guess that doesn't mean that like 99% of the books out there should be going on forever. They've been going on for decades, like that all stories need to have an ending. But well, well, no, all stories need to have an ending. Let's when it comes to, to fiction and all that stuff, all stories need to have an ending and yeah, it can be, it can be natural. It can take some time to get there, but I feel like Hickman, doesn't really allow that in his creator own stuff. He's like, mm, we're just gonna keep going, like keep going with this. And even if a natural mm. ending pre- presents no, you itself, said I uh, meant, sorry, I meant Kirkman. Saying. I meant I meant Kirkman. Where I just feel like he's kind of like, even if a natural ending presents itself, we're gonna keep pushing on through, or like, hey, we're gonna push off that ending until a later date because I still have all this other crazy stuff I want to do. And that's, you know, sometimes that works out and that's cool, but also it's kind of like, how far are you gonna take this idea, man? Like, you know, and, and I mean, giving giving uh, like Invincible as an example in the Kirkman verse of stuff, like there's like how do I put this? Like he could, I guess, end it at any issue and just be like, Mark Grayson's happy, or Mark Grayson was a tragedy, or something. <laughs> Mark Grayson um, was dead the whole time. You know, <laughs> it was a dream but, of his father's mustache. <laughs> but it's like. There's so much other stuff going on, like all these things, like whether it happened like 50 issues ago that are cropping back up and becoming their own stories. And it's sort of like, and even if you end it with like Mark Grayson being alive, if you, if you think of real life, like if presuming that Mark Grayson doesn't die two seconds after the story ends, like there's always going to like, he's going to keep living his life. He's not going to not experience more trials and tribulations. So you could keep building that. And the same thing with the, the walking dead universe, I guess, unless they cure the zombie apocalypse, like, I mean, and to me, there'd even be an interesting story about how society rebuilds. So he's really, so I, I, I think it started as like a criticism, but it's kind of ending up more of like an appreciation that he's, and I, I, I haven't caught up on walking Dead. I'm way far behind. So I can't say for sure if the story's kind of fallen off the rails, but at the end of the day, people are still dying for these books, and he's created from whole cloth these living, breathing worlds that are just allowed to exist. Right, like, right. And, and, we're, and we're using Kirkman here because he's kind of the prime example of this. But, I mean, there's, there's got to come a time where it's like, yeah, there are more stories to tell. Doesn't necessarily mean they need to be told, though. Like, I always really loved the ending of Scrubs, and it I understand, like, TV shows are definitely going to be different. Uh, because you have a lot more factors in there where you have like the actors and the studios and all that. Uh, but it, you know, they got to the, this point where it's like, okay, well, we're going to end things and a whole lot of the last episode, because there is no season nine, uh, is, is JD making this really big deal of, you know, oh, it's, it's all ending. It's all over. But the characters in the show being like, well, we're not all dead you know, when, like, when your shift ends, we're all going to be sad that you're gone, but our lives are going to continue. Uh, and, 
yeah, it's it's cool in like a comic book sense that like okay, we can we can continue on to tell those stories. But I don't think it always means they're going to be good. And there yeah. might even come a time where it's like you know, and he always said that The Walking Dead is not a book about Rick Grimes. But it's kind of a book about Rick Grimes. I think at this point you can't necessarily kill him off and have someone easily fill in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how long do you take it? Okay, so you take it. Let's let's take The Walking Dead for an example. You take it until okay, they've wiped out all the zombies. Now society has to rebuild. Well, you know, society's going to take decades to rebuild, so we can tell decades more stories. It's like. Like and then even once society's rebuilt, you have people inside the society who are going to face their own trials and tribulations, and maybe the zombie outbreak comes back up. Like what happens then? It's like there's yeah, you could keep going on forever. Doesn't mean that you should keep going yeah. on forever. But then you think now, especially like let's say that he had to end Walking Dead and Invincible in the next few issues after everything. Like you're like no, you you got to have a good send off. Yeah, I mean it's, I'm, I I'm 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 no Kirkman. I'm just trying to think, like, how would you end those books with, like, just everything? Because it's, I guess at this point, like, superhero comics are different. Like, at this point, like, those stories end with each creative team. And when you take on a new creative team, they might carry over certain elements from the previous creative team. But it's almost like you're getting a clean slate. Like, there's a history before that, but it's like you're opening up chapter one and you just acknowledge, like, this character has had a life before I open the book. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they constantly recycle over and over and over again. Um, these characters like that aren't going to ever have a definitive ending besides imaginary what if tales of their endings. But books like The Walking Dead and Invincible are different, and in that like even if they did set up multiple books or or spinoffs or whatever, like their their whole whole like they're they're never not going to be in Kirkman's hands. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So he has the power, and, and maybe in this case the responsibility to sort of let it go. So when it, at some what, point, what you're saying is that with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. Awesome. Hey, I know you kind of put this in the uh, news section, but you know this is kind of the discussion question here. And uh, man, Nick, I'm so glad that you have also finished all of Daredevil season two. So I have can, not. Can, oh, Nick, no, no, Nick. We'll talk about the first six episodes. <sighs> I don't even remember them. They happened so long ago for me at this point. It's not my fault that you apparently don't have a life and had nothing better to do. I was than even out of. I was even out of episodes. I was even out of town for a lot of that weekend. All right. And you still watched it? I still finished it by Monday. What were you doing that was completely inconsequential that you could do that? I didn't watch anything while I was out of town. I watched five episodes on Friday when I was off of work. That's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, so we, we, really, you know, we can talk about it as a whole uh, at a later time. But yay, nay. Where, where, yay, where, where yay yeah, definitely yeah. yay. Um, it's... Uh, It's 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 good. I, I'm enjoying. There's a lot of little things that I really enjoy. You know, John Bernthal's inspired casting for the Punisher. He's really he actually, brought his A game to that. He took me. It took a few issue, or a few episodes for me to really get on board with him. Um, Electra, I'm surprised by. Like, I'm always hopeful. To, like, I like Electra as a character, and I, I don't know her very well. Like, I haven't. I'm at some point going to read like her original Frank Miller introduction. I have like read some of her Electra Assassin book, and I I did. 
I did read Electra Lives Again. Um, you know, so for, for me, she's a lot more stoic and kind of stone-faced. And uh, I think this 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 uh, show definitely plays her more as like the like she is always the crazy ex-girlfriend, but this shows her as a bit more free-spirited. Like she's clearly got a dark side, but she's not sort of like and she doesn't internalize things. It's actually she's more expressive. Um, so not right. necessarily the Electra that I expected, but I actually enjoy her, and I like how well they've executed sort of the 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 craziness she brings out of Matt Murdock. Um, so I like her. Um, uh, I think uh, Deborah Ann Wallace Karen does a great job. Uh, Foggy. Um, oh, crap. What's his name? Something. Foggy Nelson? Well, Foggy Nelson, but the actor that plays him. Uh, it's like Henson something. Yeah. That guy. I like him. Uh, I always feel bad for him, but I mean, like in the comics, Foggy always gets the short end of the stick, well, so it's expected. yeah. But Foggy's like the only person in Matt's life who like everything's going like getting destroyed around him, but he always comes out on top. Who Matt or Foggy? Foggy. Yeah, in a sense, but he, yeah. Um, I mean, he's the only one whose life is not completely ruined. True. I mean, he's probably the one that could salvage uh, a life. But I think that's just sort of like it's that's a wait and see thing. Like at some point, like Foggy can't avoid that forever if he yeah, continues to associate with Matt Murdock. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, Eld, Eldon Henson. Eldon Henson. Um, but I mean, overall, the first six episodes. Like I think you were right. The first four were definitely uh, I, like a little mini arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could definitely feel that, and it was good. Uh, I think it definitely finished strong. Um, I thought Punisher's speech was a little bit long when he was sitting on the gravestone, um, but other than that, I mean, it was still interesting. Uh, I don't know it's it's a well developed show. I, I've been enjoying this little Electra bit. I'll be curious how it shakes out. Um, but I mean, so far, like so good for for a second season. You never know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're doing some interesting things, and I'm excited to see how it ends. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to go too much talk about spoiler things. You're kind of, and this is you know, just my opinion here. And I don't want to like taint your viewing too much, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like, you know, those first few episodes, really interesting storyline. Then the next couple episodes are like really great, really kind of hits its peak. And you kind of have the second storyline, you know, you have like the Punisher storyline going on. Then you have the second storyline kind of come up and the two kind of begin to overlap and one starts to overtake the other. And mm-hmm. I feel like by the time it gets to the end, the weaker storyline at that point has kind of taken over and uh it i think the last couple episodes were not the best they were fine um but really like by the time we got the last episode and maybe i felt this way with how just how fast i watched it but still i was kind of like oh we're like done we're at the end Mm -hmm. i kind of thought you know a little bit more was gonna lead us up to this moment uh, it it was still interesting. Uh, I'm not sure yet if I preferred season two over season one. I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. And that's actually saying a lot because I think uh, some of the as much as I didn't love uh, um, Kingpin as much as everyone else, and I thought there was some vagary in his character. And I thought the villains of the season were better, but there's a couple storylines in this season that just drove me insane that I really want to talk to you about but I can't 
and it's just bugging me so bad. Just like a certain storyline with a certain character that has to do with my major from college. And, oh, I already um, know which one you're talking oh, about. It, I just wanted to punch a wall. <sighs> uh, is this... So, I think... Well, I saw your Facebook status. Yes. And then the episode that I just watched uh, kind of confirmed it for me. So, you're basically talking... I'm, I'm assuming what happens... This is my prediction. By the end of the season, Nelson and Murdoch breaks up. Foggy goes to join someone else. I'm not sure what happens to Matt. And Karen Page gets a job at the newspaper that Ben Urich works at. What, like how, how much do you want me to, to, to confirm? No, I don't want to spoil like, okay. any other details. That I, Okay, full honesty, I know that Foggy goes to the same firm that's in Jessica Jones. Ah, bro. I know, I know that. I don't even know why I know that. I can't remember where I read that by accident. Um, but then I inferred from your status update from your, your Facebook post and then watching Karen Jones, Karen Jones, Karen oh Jones, God. Karen page in this episode being like, yeah, she totally goes to work for this newspaper. It just angers me how much they give her when she has not a report. Mm, we'll talk about this at another time <laughs> for now. Let's move on. But yeah, Daredevil so far so good. We'll see yes. how it wraps up. Yes. <sighs> that being said, now I'm still going in open-minded with my head held high and my heart just ready and positive. But apparently, wait, Nick, are you just are you barreling forward to the oh, news? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could do it. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. You're literally like the guy where like your only job is to pull this level. Spi Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And you, Spider-Man, and and you, um, Spider-Man, oh, and right. his amazing friends. That had to be super annoying for everyone listening. I apologize. Um, yeah, you're Nothing. the guy that pulls that one lever. It's like this is all I have to do. You're right. That's all I do in this show. That's, that's literally all you, all do. you do. All I do. Nothing else. I can't believe I carry this thing. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, what am I trying to say? So, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Is out uh, now. Is, is out now. Year. Basically, people are seeing LA showings and that the embargo is lifted on all the early reviews. So, it's really a disappointing week as two people that have been eagerly anticipating this movie because apparently the general consensus, quote unquote. According to critics. According to critics and some fans, is that it's not a great movie. That it has a, and I don't put a lot of stock in this, but. I can understand, you know, for in some cases, I obviously agree, but apparently the Rotten Tomatoes score is like 33%, which is lower than a lot of stuff. Like Wolverine yeah. Origins, I think, is rated higher. Yeah, we don't have to. But my, my point being that. is that the critical reception so far has not been good, but no. we're just now getting to the general audience going to see this movie, so it really remains to be seen. David, kind of build the case okay so i really kind of had some issues when these were first these reviews were first coming out because i am just so emotionally invested into this movie and into these characters and i absolutely wanted it to be amazing uh and then you know you have these critic reviews coming out that are saying that it's not and for me like the like the real issue was like I'm, you know, I'm kind of surrounded by people who didn't love Man of Steel and are going to prejudge this movie. And, you know, they're going to give like they're going to basically have their bias confirmed automatically. And that really like bothered me. 
Um, and so I kind of had to distance myself from just some online communities and just be like, I'm going to step back away from this for a while. And that's probably healthy overall. Uh, I can spend some time investing into the things that I often put off, like my writing and my reading. <laughs> um, that being said, I decided today that I was going to go in and I was going to read some reviews of this movie, good and bad, uh, you know, positive and negative is what I should say. Um, and, uh, and I, so I read like Richard Roper's review of the movie and uh he you know said like oh things are a little bit murky but the acting in it is really great everybody is very convincing and sells their roles um and you know it's it's very action-packed and and exciting uh and then i you know i read a couple reviews where one guy was just really salty just kind of this idea that like superheroes are ridiculous the superhero movies need to be ridiculous and any that are very self-serious are uh are wrong they all they all need to be very on the nose and blah 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 it's like i can't really take this review seriously because i disagree with that 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 assessment at its core and then i read this other one where it was the actually the av club one which is kind of disappointing because av club's generally a, a pretty interesting source but this guy didn't understand some things in man of steel at all uh, where he talked about like the Pa Kent stuff, where it's like we have a Pa Kent who said that keeping your secret identity is more important than like saving people. That's not what he was saying at all. He is faced with an insurmountable ideal, and he wants to protect and love his son, and he doesn't know how to handle because he knows it's going to be taken away from him. And then the guy was complaining, "Well, it's, the movie's too long. There's too much going on," and then starts saying that they needed to do more stuff to explain this, this, and this without really saying like they needed to take stuff out and balance stuff better. So I'm not saying that all negative reviews do not have merit. That's not what I'm saying. Some do because opinions are subjective. Movies are subjective. Some of you listening right now may go see this and not like this movie and that's perfectly fine. Some people have very valid criticisms of it and that's perfectly okay. They say the narrative structure. Generally, I get the idea the narrative structure is not is not great. Things get a little murky, and yeah, things might be a little too jam packed. I'm even willing to admit, you know, I will agree with a lot of people's assessments about here's what's wrong with Man of Steel to a degree. I think a lot of people are also wrong about Man of Steel. Uh, so what I'm saying is that don't look at the critic reviews and saying, oh, that's the end all be all, because guess what? These are guys who went in, some of them with their own bias, uh, and some with you know, their own kind of preconceived notion of what this movie was going to be, and maybe they had those confirmed, maybe they were disappointed. But the ones from people that I've read who have been doing this for years and are able to approach this in a very open-minded way actually came away with more positive things to say than negative and they acknowledged that the movies were not great, but, or, you know, the movies had issues and it's not perfect, but they were able to say, Hey, this movie does have its own merits and it is able to stand on its own. So to you out there, what I'm saying is go into this movie as a fan, as a nerd, as somebody who wants to see this movie and hope, you know, go in saying that I want to enjoy this and go along for the ride. Yeah, initial reviews aren't great. Maybe you're not going to love it. 
and that's okay. But, important thing, don't look down on anybody who does like it, and don't look down on anybody who does like stuff that you don't like. And also on the other side, people, if someone doesn't like this movie, that's okay. They will pay in due time. <laughs> Uh, so I guess what I'm what I'm rambling on and kind of going on for a while here to say is that uh, you know critical reviews do have their place, but they aren't the end all be all and should not be your determination of what your opinion should be for this movie or what you should enjoy. Audience mm -hmm. reports have been fairly positive, uh, you know. A 30, 31%, 32% of Rotten Tomatoes with like a 77, 78% audience score. You know, which score do you look at? The masses who are going in to have a good time or people who are going in to judge sometimes unfairly and harshly? Yeah. You know? So I think, I think there's a few different ways you got to look at it. And maybe it seems like, because I think people anticipate that, like, we're obviously been very excited about this movie that we're, like, it's, it sucks hearing about something that you've been excited for as being, not universally, but as being critically panned. Uh, and that, because you don't want it, because from in a larger context, like, if we end up going and enjoy it, but for some reason, and we want to see more of it, of that, that thing, but because everyone else didn't like it, it kind of gets ripped from your hands and you're like, well, uh, we're going to go in a different direction now because this just didn't work out. Yeah. That's probably still going to make buckets of money. It, it will. And here's, here's even something that I'm willing to admit that maybe we got to diminish Zack Snyder's role in things. Maybe. Uh, and I think a lot of people I know are also going into this preparing to be negative because they don't like Zack Snyder. Uh, he's a very divisive guy. And this movie seems like it's going to be very divisive. Uh, and maybe, you know, his style and tone isn't working for everyone. And, yeah, this movie's going to make a lot of money, and it's easy to say, like, hey, uh, it would be super great uh, if this movie was good, but it made, like, like you know, Warner Brothers' reaction is going to be, well, it'd be nice if it was a good movie, but it's making money, so blah, 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 blah. I mean, they know that a higher perceived movie and one that people think is really great is going to make more money. So, yeah, while they're money-hungry bastards... They do want to put out quality stuff because that pays off better for them in the long run. But and I agree. But I think at the same time, and this is where it could hurt it, whether it ends up being to us ends up being a good movie or not, is this movie might make a crap ton of money. But if it if just everyone hates it, and you're sending the exact same people out to make the follow up film, right? Then all of a sudden it's like, uh, everyone hated this, and we're about to say, hey. Did you hate Batman v Superman? Here's Justice League. Yeah. And it's got all of the people that you hated well, doing the other one doing this well, one. Well, okay, but I mean, if we're talking about actors. Every, Not as every, actors, but I just mean like the, right. as a finished like product. The, like well, everyone that's contributed to Batman v Superman is more or less contributing to Justice League. Though they cut out Goyer, uh, the script for Batman v Superman was rewritten, and I haven't even heard anything about him involved In with, future projects, with yeah. Justice League. Uh, no, no, I totally agree with that, but it's too late to cut Snyder out uh, yeah. from directing because, hey, guess what other big movie had the director cut out just before production? The Hobbit. And and Peter Jackson has come out and said, look, we had to switch things up way too close to production, and that really was one of the things that hurt all that happened. I don't think you can cut Snyder out and bring in, you know, Colin Trevorrow tomorrow. Uh, 
like it or not, he's probably still going to have a big hand in this film, but that doesn't mean that he, you know, that maybe someone should, like, they have, 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 they have, have, pivot. A, have pivot. a pivot, pivot, have a producer step in and have like a heavy hand and play a big role. Like, uh, um, what was the movie I just saw very recently? Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane was not, yeah. was not directed by JJ Abrams, but he still saw dailies and had like a hand in editing and giving notes and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, they could kind of get somebody who's, you know, Zack Snyder is going to be kind of on the day to day. And, uh, then you have someone else kind of coming in and tweaking things because visually, visually you do want Zack Snyder there. Yeah. But I get story-wise why you wouldn't. Yeah, but but I think with Zack Snyder, too, uh, I don't want to say yet, but he has a very, like, you you can pinpoint a Zack Snyder movie, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but at For the same time, like, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing if after a certain point you're just like, every Zack Snyder movie is the same, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so I, but I think... What what's what is about this movie, and it's I, I think just because the the Marvel movies have been getting quote unquote universal praise, like everyone has like it, you can't you can't go into this movie saying I'm looking for a great Batman movie, I'm looking for a great Superman movie or Lex Luthor or whatever. You just have to go and be like, is this going to be a good movie? Just just a movie. It, it, you know, even if there has little issues here or there, like narrative structurally or whatever, like, you know, is it just a good movie? Because for everyone that, like, loves, like, Chris Evans' interpretation of Captain America and, like, the, the sort of, haha, so funny uh, vibe of the Marvel movies, like, there are people that wish that they'd be a bit more self-serious. Yeah, so with, with but... Batman v Superman, it's like, do you not like that this is kind of like the, the Frank Miller-esque grimdark version of Batman, like... I'm sorry, it's it's not. Yeah, it, or it is, but it's like so. It's like you can't go into it and say, "Well, like this is the Batman that I I, I have a Batman that I want to see on screen." And I respect that. Like, I would love to see like the Batman in my head realized on screen. I just it's not going to happen. Yeah, Marvel Marvel has set this really kind of cool precedent, uh, and sort of unfortunately now we're holding everybody to to this one standard. Uh, or people are holding DC to this one stage, and I wish people would not turn this into a DC versus Marvel thing because it doesn't need to be. You know who's no, it you, doesn't. You know who's winning in all of this? It's not Marvel. It's not DC. It's us, the fans. If people kind of calling their crap of like, well, Marvel already had all these movies out. Like DC, you better get on it. Like DC didn't need to get on it. They could have kept going off doing their thing, making comics, making uh you know, making animated movies, but they're like, oh man, look at what movies have done for Marvel's bottom line and look what it's done, you know, for their numbers. And so in that sense, yeah, they had to do it, but it's not like just because Marvel went off and did this one thing, DC absolutely had to do it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, uh, I, I'm still very excited. Uh, I think even if, uh, even if, this movie that we're talking about, Batman v Superman is disappointing and you and I haven't seen it yet. And you know, if it ends up being disappointing, that's fine. I'm, I'm willing to, you know, I'll be willing to admit if, if this movie is not good or if I don't enjoy it at all on next week's show. Uh, 
but the DC cinematic universe is not out. I think now that we're going to start getting stuff that's not Zack Snyder directed, I think is probably going to have kind of an upturn. Suicide Squad still looks uh, like great. It looks like whatever's going on there is super fun. Uh, And we can go ahead and talk about this right now is that we got that, you know, we we've gotten a couple of looks at wonder woman. We got a picture from wonder woman today that, some people were very very harsh on but then again it's the first still image of a movie you can't you know you can't uh put everything on that when we saw footage earlier this year people were always like we're also like oh man this footage looks super great um so kind of transitioning into the story we did get uh entertainment weekly got its first picture of the of wonder woman on themyscira uh oh excuse me with other Amazonians, one of them being Robin Wright, who, uh, man, for, like, she is a badass, uh, that lady. And who's playing, I thought that Robin Wright was playing Hippolyta, but I guess I'm wrong? Is that, uh, Uh... that doesn't look like her. Uh, anyway, I I thought the picture was just mediocre, but uh, oh, General Antiope is Robin Wright. Uh, Queen Hippolyta is Connie Nielsen. Who? Connie Nielsen. Don't know that name. Let me go ahead and awkwardly Google her while we're sitting here and talking. <laughs> uh, she was apparently in the movie Gladiator and other such things. Uh, and The Good Wife, which I never watched. But Nick, what was your kind of a reaction to the image? You know, I said I was a little lukewarm on it. I liked it. Um, I mean, there's still a sort of Zack Snyder essence to this that I think yeah. is kind of that's kind of blanketing it. Uh, it. Remains to be seen of how that much that carries over to the final film. Uh, again, not that I dislike Zack Snyder. As far as the image goes, everything's very one color. It looks cool as hell. Like they all look like armor wise and design and all that. It looks really interesting but i just noticed it like that it has sort of like the same sort of goldish yellow like color filter across of it across it yeah i kind of want things to be like not everything to be just, just monochromatic i want that to, to be alive and have everything to be vibrant in its own way so in yeah. that case sure I'm, I'm gonna knock it a bit but as far as like like it's it's I don't know it's exciting I'm actually really excited for Wonder Woman oh, I no, think Patty Jenkins is going to do a great job I am too and in, I was reading some comments online people were like I'm predicting a 42 percent Rotten Tomatoes because of the you know Batman v Superman stuff it's like wow guys cool very cool let's totally like not let a movie be its own thing and I know people are just being very visceral in their reactions to all that uh, but. Yeah, no, I think Patty Jenkins uh, has has a chance to do something really cool, and I, I'm excited to see more. I would imagine uh, with Suicide Squad, we'll probably get a teaser, or around that time, we're going to start getting some more images revealed and some like plot synopses. Mm-hmm. I kind of like, uh, uh, as you're talking, I was sort of half reading some of these things that Patty Jenkins is saying. Um, uh, so, what am I trying to say? So, Jenkins also spoke about the armor relating to the photo. 
mm-hmm. which was designed by Lindy Hemming, saying that they shouldn't be dressed in armor like men. It should be different. It should be authentic and real and appealing to women. The armor does include high heels, which Jenkins defended, calling it total wish fulfillment and clarifying that they do wear flats to fight. Now, my general preference is like sort of a, a, a practical approach to the costume. Like, yeah, I don't necessarily want to see the, the female characters running around in, in practical high heels to, to kick butt. But she does make a point. Uh, so she also says, I, as a woman, want Wonder Woman to be hot as hell, fight badass, and look great at the same time. The same way men want Superman to have huge packs and an impractically big body. Uh, Nick, this is all internalized misogyny. Obviously, she hates women. Yeah, t- totally. That makes them feel like the hero they want to be, and my hero in my head has really long legs. So, these and superheroes, I think, lend themselves to this that they are supposed to be these impossible beings, you know, of oh, no. fitness and no, they, they they totally are. And and people always talking about like women, you know, the women heroes wearing these incredibly scampy skimpy outfits, and it's all you know power fantasy and male fantasy. It's like, yeah, I do agree that that we need to move past the oversexualization of women in comics. Or, you know, just the hypersexualization and all that. You know, some if it fits a character's personality to have a sexual element to their outfit or, or their style, like, that is, you know, that's totally cool. Yeah. Uh, but it's not for everyone. But, you know, at the same time, like, that whole idea, like, just like men want Superman to have huge pecs and, and, and practically big body, like, there is definitely, like, a truth to that uh, where you look at, like, He-Man and stuff like, like These are, like, body types that, for men are also like impossible not everybody has the genes for that or the ability to like to to get that yeah um and and i'm in no way saying that you know men have it just as hard as women when it comes to to body issues but body issues definitely exist for men and and part of stuff like superman and superheroes has contributed at times very negatively to those yeah and i think i mean i think it's very easy to fall down that slope of you know, the objectification, the sexualization. But at the same time, it also feels like if we don't, uh, it's, how do I put this? I want to be kind of delicate. I don't necessarily need to be delicate about it, but I want to, I don't want to sound like a dumbass coming out of my mouth. Um, Like you, you do have to be careful about the objectification, the, like the sexualization. But I feel like we sort of go in the opposite extreme and everyone's like really prudish and like covered Mm -hmm. up in men and women. And it's sort of like like we're all freaking humans. We're all in some form or another sexual beings. Like we might not all be Emma Frost, you know, or like Lothario types in the men's side or whatever. But like we all have some sort of sexual element to us that I feel like because we're afraid of taking it too far or something. Like we we kind of go in the complete opposite direction and suppress it. And it's like don't get me wrong, there is something silly about watching. Like, you know, looking at, like Wonder Woman's outfit that she's essentially, quote unquote, running around in a bathing suit. But, and, and I get it, like, when people do those videos of, like, like, what if the man was wearing Wonder Woman's outfit and, like, how uncomfortable that would be. And, like, don't get me wrong, I, I get that. I respect that. And, like I said, I typically prefer a practical outfit, but from sort of like a philosophical, ideological standpoint, I can respect what Patty Jenkins is saying uh-huh. in the sense that, like, it's very easy to take comments like that and run into the darkness and just be like, like women shouldn't be, shouldn't have a sexual element to them. You shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to look at wonder woman and have one of your thoughts be like, damn, check out those tits or whatever, or something like that. And I, and I, I respect that too. But at the same time, like we can't ignore the fact that we're humans, we're sexual beings by nature and we should 
we should actually take ownership of that and be proud of it and run with it instead of like letting the the dark side sort of take it over and influence it Mm -hmm. and make it seem like a bad thing. So if, if Patty Jenkins thinks that, you know, a long legged superheroine with, you know, that perfect body is like, okay, that, you know, cause it's at the end of the day, it's just a freaking superhero. And I think sometimes we let these things that like, don't get me wrong to some people, like this sort of like the, the, the times where it's important, like if you're a woman or if you're or black or Asian or something like that, and just that knowing that there's uh, an Asian or, or black or, or, or whatever superhero, like being taken seriously and being betrayed and like out there and like, I can identify with that. I think that's important to uphold, but at the same time, like, Oh god, my art, everything's falling apart. Um, yeah, we've been getting just heavy. Um, um, so. You know that's important, but at the same time, like at the end of the day, they are just superheroes. And maybe this is because I'm a straight white male, and everything's kind of been designed for me. But I, I part of me wants to say that, like, if you let sort of like the fact that this this does exist or this could exist, like, influence your ability. I, I'm not saying like it for some people it might actually impact their lives like 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 super negatively impact their lives but i try not to go to bed at night too worried about how a certain thing is portrayed yeah and, if this if this is something that's really you know causing you to lose sleep like if it is and it's not like your job i don't know uh maybe like maybe you just need to take a deep breath also, if it is, like, write into us and, and let's start a dialogue about this because that, that'd be very, like, interesting if – and not to say that these aren't important issues that we don't need more representation in a lot of areas in our media. Uh, but at the same time, like, we need to also realize there's bigger stuff in the world and there's more important things to really care about and lose sleep over. Uh, and, you know, we've been talking a lot of like hot and, and heavy, uh, stuff and let's, you know, I say we just kind of allow ourselves to decompress a little bit and talk about some other stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, it's like a conversation that I feel like could keep going and going and oh, going. Oh no, it and... could, it could. And I, and I don't want everything else to get drowned out, uh, in that. So let's talk about some of these, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get a little bit more on the, uh, on a little more DC stuff out of us here, uh, that. DC Comics' latest Rebirth teasers gives us a little bit more of a look at what is to come. Uh, We have announcements coming up uh, this weekend that we will probably talk about next week. Uh, But, Nick, what are we looking at here? What do we see? So, uh, just a brief teaser. The one that I think has my eye the most is the what's going to be the Super Sons book. And it looks like it's going to be in relation to Damien and then a young Superboy who uh, someone is alluding that it could be the uh, young son of the pre-52 or pre-Flashpoint Superman and Lois Lane that's been appearing in the Lois and Clark book. Mm. Uh, That'll be interesting. Part of me kind of wishes if if they go back to kind of like right after Identity Crisis when they brought Chris Kennan, the son of Zod, uh, because he came out right around the same time as Damien and where Damien flourished, Chris Kennan did not. I'd kind of be cool with him being brought back and being the counterpoint to, to, to Damien, but we'll see. Um, you know, it'll be interesting. Like, I feel like if it's super sons and then Damien's involved, then like this, this child does have to be like the son of Superman, I guess, if you want to play it literal. So it, 
remains to be seen, but that's got me interested. Mm-hmm. The artwork looks like Jim Lee, but obviously and, he's going to be tackling Suicide Squad. Well, yeah, I think it's just for this teaser. It's Jim yeah. Lee. Drawing the thing. I kind of, it's interesting. The, the, the costume that the Superboy, just, I'm just assuming his is name is Superboy, is like, well, yeah, it's like, a hoodie. He's got pockets. But, it, but it's got a cape. But it's got a cape. But a zip up. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, I bet it's, it's instead of a hood, it's a cape, which actually is kind of an interesting form. Yeah, I'm not loving that Damien looks like he's like 14 in this issue, in this picture here. He could still be 10. It could just be that Jim Lee does not have to draw a 10 year old. It's true. Most people don't. As it, turns um, out. It, it is tough. Don't get me wrong. It's not a knock on Jim Lee. Um, so that'll be curious. Uh, uh, beyond that, Jessica, we have. Yeah, Jessica Cruz is staying on as the uh, Green Lantern, so it seems. It, it, or we'll have judging by her costume, it looks like she's moving on from being Power Ring and, right, right. and actually being a Green Lantern. So we'll, we'll be curious to see how that shakes out. Green Lanterns are the, the Green Lanterns book and the How to Join the Green Lantern Corps is, are two of those books that uh, I, I'm really hopeful. I, I don't want to knock the, the, the people that came on after Jeff Johns. I think DC's had a lot of trouble uh, maintaining momentum. Uh, in that regard, but I just I never could get I couldn't get into it. Maybe I was just burnt out from Jeff Johns, and I didn't I never gave them a fair shake. And maybe some day along the, the down the road, I'll, I'll check out the the post Jeff Johns stuff. But I definitely would love to get back into Green Lantern. So uh, I'm and I like Jessica Cruz, so I'll be curious to see how that works out. And then the final teaser is Killer Croc and Harlequin, and Harlequin's wearing an outfit that doesn't look reminiscent of her, her movie costume, more reminiscent of some of her comic book stuff. She's kind of got this sort of, like, sexy paramilitary girl. Right, it seems like this is, like, the, uh, like, guerrilla warfare, uh, you know, like, you're, like, in, like, in a video game where your character's over enemy lines, you have to find the leader of the rebels, and in walks in this, you know, this boxum babe, who's running the rebel uh, outpost out here and defying all man's expectations. <laughs> um, and uh, But I do think that this teaser is mostly just saying, like, hey, Killer Croc and Harley Quinn are you know, both in the Suicide Squad movies, so they're both going to be in Suicide Squad, surprise, the book. Surprise, surprise. Um, I thought I had another thought to that. Yeah, what was I going to say? Oh, Harley Quinn. Uh, I'm not going to put like care about it too much, but I'm just like... So she was a psychiatrist. I think we're way past that, man. It's gone. When, it's when the Joker met her and, you know, she went crazy and became Harlequin. But, like, she's clearly, like, skilled enough not to die under, like, she's, like, 99% of the time she's in hazardous to your health situations. And she doesn't die, which obviously part of that's, like, because she makes a lot of money. Plot armor. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, my head cannon or whatever, my in-universe trying to figure out in my head is sort of like so has it ever been said that like prior to meeting the joker that like she had spent like her childhood and adolescence training in like some kind of martial arts or multiple martial arts and then went crazy and had the skills to back it up no. or she go crazy and then become skilled because you think um if she's only been with joker for or if she's if her whole narrative with the joker has only happened around a few years because let's say and let's use, and I, again, I'm doing this more for fun, not for like real critical analysis. But let's say that with the New 52, it's only been around for about five or six years. The Joker debuted, I'm sure, in the year one area, like shortly after zero year. Um, but you want to say like how soon after that did Harley Quinn come involved? And even if she came in like in year two at somewhere, like maybe the, you know, the uh, the later end of year two. And then, you know, that's like when she started. 
So let's say if she, that means that she's basically had like three, four years. How do I put this? If she debuted in like this in year two, like late year two of the new 52, then where did she develop her skills? Cause that means, cause she comes out of the box, so to speak, like already a formidable threat. But where did she get her skills from? I don't feel like no one ever sits back and asks that question. Yeah, because it's comic books, bro. Just go with it. I feel like the it's comic books, bro. We answer. use this we use this defense all the time. But we use it at like the moments where we don't feel like having to explain something. No, like, no, no, no. It's like no, and I and I totally get like what you're saying about this, but it's like, I mean, what really are we gonna say about it? Of course, she's gonna be able to do these things now because the comics demand it. Well, I think my my more humorous uh, argument to that is just like anytime something like doesn't make sense or or even if it's bad, you're just like, ah, it's Zack Snyder, bro. Like like it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like ah, oh, it's like the that shopping mall just got mugged. Whatever, bro. Like. You know what I mean? It's comics, bro. It's comics, bro. Brah. No, no, and I get what you're saying. Like it is like an overused thing, but it's, at the same time, it's like I don't don't know what to tell you about Harley Quinn. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's do some rapid fire stuff. There's another poster of X Men Apocalypse Horsemen. They look cool, though. Psylocke seems weirdly out of place in her uh, ninja bathing suit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, ben Affleck confirms he's working on something with Jeff Johns. The details cool. are yet to come. If it's the Soul Batman film, like I'm totally down with that. Probably. Um, let's see here. Uh, Pokemon Go details emerge. Come on. It is going to be hey 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 hey. It is an app that you'll have on your phone that allows you to catch Pokemon in the real world. Don't take that sentence literally. It's an augmented reality uh, application. It sounds really cool. I wanted to plug it. Uh, I can't wait to try it out. Uh, let's see. The anime FLCL is being revived for apparently two seasons, additional seasons, uh, not just one. All right. Uh, two, that's happening. Anime news. Uh, um, we also got a teaser for Luke Cage for those of us who have finished Daredevil. Have, huh? Oh, wait. Did we bring that up? No. Oh, we brought that up before the show started. Yeah, we My talked, bad. Yeah, we got a teaser for Luke Cage. It's like less than a minute long, uh, but it involves him getting shot at by a bunch of bad guys and then throwing them through some windows. So I'm still disappointed. They're not calling it Power Man, but you can't get everything. Can't get everything. And on the same side, there's a teaser for the Lego Batman movie. I admitted that I have not seen Lego the Lego movie. It's, it's pretty um, great. But I've heard it's pretty good. Uh, oh, here's an interesting argument. Lego Batman. Uh-huh. It's Batman. Uh-huh. It's a version of Batman. People seem to generally like Lego Batman, even though he is not like, as you would say, quote unquote, the Batman. He is an interpretation of Batman in the form of a Lego character. So why is it that, like, if your argument on Batman v Superman is like, this isn't Batman, Batman shouldn't be doing this. Like, if that's your argument that that's simply not Batman to you, then why does Lego Batman get away with being like doing the things he does and, 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 and getting away with being who he is. If he's not how Batman is quote, supposed to be, Batman doesn't sit and watch meat cook in a microwave. He doesn't run around in his boxers in the bat cave. He doesn't. No, no, no. Uh, no I think there's actually a very interesting question and we've, we don't necessarily have time to get into all of it today, 
but I do think it's something that does uh, bear returning to. I think people are much more lenient on stuff that is a little more parody and lighthearted. Uh, and, you know, it's not selling itself as a, as a serious Batman movie. Where which I totally, and I think we should definitely discuss this later, which I agree parody tends to add, uh, offer more forgiveness in that sense. But not to say that, like, the Batman and Batman v Superman is going to be a parody, but, like, if we allow, but if the argument is just, like, why is one Batman allowed versus another, simply because, like, oh, it's a parody, so we should accept it. You know what I mean? It's, hey, I know, there's definitely rooms for different versions. Uh, I would argue that several of the Marvel characters are not at all like their... I mean, you know, we talked about how Marvel has now changed a lot of their characters to be man-children in order to appeal to a greater audience. Uh, and, you know, not that's not true to their original interpretation at all. Uh, you know, you have Scott Lang, who is a serious scientist, who is now uh, just kind of goofy dad. And, yeah, no, I think this is, uh, we, we've kind of struck on something interesting, but we'll have to return to it at another time. Uh, now, before we get to our recommendations for the week, I do want to bring up something rather interesting that happened and rather exciting. Uh, and that is that we got our first piece of fan mail. Yes! So, uh, Westland wrote in, Westland from Georgia wrote in to tell us that they have been enjoying the show and they still consider themselves a comic newbie, but we have been able to help them get into some new titles and we are happy to hear that. Uh, they said that ever That's since awesome. they got their hands on the deluxe hardcover of Saga, I guess you could say that I have been hooked. A few of my current favorites include Lumberjanes, Shudder, Rat Queens, The Wicked and the Divine, Saga, Doctor Strange, Zodiac Star Force, Black Canary, and Bitch Planet. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it's nice a, choices there. There's some very good choices there. And some image heavy, but that's okay. Hey, that's fine. We encourage you know we encourage people that not, not superhero books are not for everyone, so image is a good place to go. You but got Doctor Strange on there, and, it's been a good book, and Black Canary. Yeah. Uh, and then we got a PS. I have a recommendation for a book about how history uh, has informed our perspective about comics and how comics, in turn, have been affected by history. It's a really great read, and I think you both would enjoy it. The cover is also pretty awesome. I don't know if I sent it to you yet, Nick. I apologize. I uh, know you didn't. I didn't know about this part. Um, I mean, you have access to the email account. I don't uh, remember the password. <laughs> I'll send it to you. I'm not going to tell it to you on here. Uh, but it's called On the Origin of Superheroes, and uh, the cover is indeed pretty great. It is it looks like Napoleon with a Batman mask on. Uh, are you just going to Google it right now? It's Ooh, by right Chris... Uh, Gavalier, Cavalier, I can't tell. Gavalier. Gavalier. Oh, I haven't. I, I hadn't heard, heard of that. this. I hadn't heard of this either. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm gonna definitely dip into it. Uh, but Westland, as our first uh, piece of fan mail, we would like to thank you deeply and sincerely. And uh, now, Nick, we didn't discuss this beforehand, but are we ready to name Westland the number one fan of Heck Yeah Comics? I mean. They did send in the first the first piece of fan, fan mail. mail. I think that makes you the number one fan. Number one fan. So Any, thank you, Weslin. Anyone else who wants to write in, we will, of course, give you an arbitrary title that you can turn in uh, for brownie points. But 
Uh, I'm the number two fan of Heck Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and when, I, when, I, when I got no, – we'll give you something else beside that. But number one fan going to Westland, uh, when I logged in and saw that we had like a, something labeled fan mail – I like freaked out. It was the greatest <laughs> moment. I even like updated my Facebook status and was like, uh, the birth of my child's going to have to be pretty spectacular to unseat this day as the best day ever. So Wesley, think of that Wesley. Wesley, thank you for writing it. And we hope that we're getting your uh, name correct. If we are, we apologize. Wesley, 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 Wesley. I think it's Wesley, 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 Wesley. I have a friend uh, whose name is Nadair. But I keep calling him Nadir on accident, and it's very uncomfortable for everybody. Uh, this, of course, brings us to recommendations, and we still don't really have uh, a sound clip for that yet, so... Uh, it's mayhem for your mind. I think that works. Uh, Nick... Hey, what'd you recommend? Ah, you jerk. <laughs> the worst. Uh, man, what do I recommend this week? I didn't have anything fully prepared. I don't know if I want to recommend Daredevil Season 2 yet, uh, because that would just be cheap of me to do. Yes, it would. Uh, but of course, the other thing I'd recommend is going into Batman v Superman with an open mind. And so I'm going to recommend Daredevil Season 2, now <laughs> on Netflix. If you've watched Season 1, uh, why haven't you watched Season 2 yet, you jerks? And it only takes like one weekend to get through it all, so... You know, if you have no life. That is not... I have such Or shirk a... responsibilities... None of these things are true. Is Topanga even still alive, David? I haven't heard anything about her in days. Yeah. If you were on Snapchat, you would see all my snaps. I am on Snapchat, and I don't ever get notifications saying that you Snapchatted me. Well, fine. I'll start Snapchatting. Nick, this is getting weird and petty. What do you recommend? I... Oh, you thought I was going to give you more time. Recommend the first few pages of the first issue of Superman Batman by Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis primarily for the Ed McGinnis art it does have an interest are you taking a selfie of yourself no I mean I'm pretty sure I've read this arc before it's the public enemies arc um, where they go up against President Lex Luthor I haven't read that in forever like I haven't read it forever I had it I I bought it when it was like 99 cents uh, on uh, Comixology a long time ago and I just was like at work and I was like oh like I really like staring at Ed McGinnis art let me let me uh, go through this again the opening pages are kind of reminiscent and I'm not sure which one preceded which I think this preceded also Superman but it kind of had that sort of like the, those first four panels like it, but instead of the, fir- the first four panels it was a split screen a split split page and it was like one side Superman, one side Batman, and kind of went through their origin stories really quickly, but like in a, an, a creative manner, which was kind of cool. So like the first couple, two, three pages were just kind of like them split, kind of getting you caught up on who they were, and then it jumped oh, into yeah, the Superman yeah. segment. I, it was just, I just thought That's it was well cool. done. Uh, Jeff Loeb is kind of hit or miss for me. Um, his dialogue sometimes grates to me. Like this is literally like popcorn superheroes, which is totally cool. Um, and as far as the first few pages where they're s- solving the mystery of why Metalo is attacking particular certain things, uh, I mean, like, it's Metalo? just like... Metal- Metallo? Metallo? How is that Metallo? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, anyway, uh, the first few pages are pretty decent. You should check it out wherever comics are sold. 
Very cool. Uh, and it's going to be way too late by the time anybody hears this, but I just bought Luther on sale on Comixology for $7. Luther? The Brian Azzarello Luther storyline. Uh, he did a he did a comic called Luther. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one where it, yeah, yeah, with uh, Lee Bermigio, I think, did the artwork. Uh, yeah, it's okay. Tell me how that is. Uh, I will. Well, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. It is, of course, uh, been a very Batman heavy episode. If you're not a fan of that, well, don't worry. Uh, we will talk about other things on future episodes. Uh, next week's episode, though, we will definitely talk about Batman v Superman and all of the rebirth announcements in which Batman will probably come up a couple of more times. Uh, still, if you want to write to the show like Weslin did uh, and share your thoughts on just cool about, like Weslin, just on anything, you can reach us at heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. Of course, our website is heckyeahcomics.com. And you can follow us on the tweeters uh, at Heck yeah Comics. You can follow me on Twitter at Davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. And you can find Nick not finishing Daredevil Season 2 anytime soon. That's to me. If you enjoyed the show, then please tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs> Ever.